The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. Our second reading comes to us from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Listen, the message of the cross is foolishness to human wisdom, but for us it is the wisdom and power of God. Now, I do not praise you as I give you the following instruction. Because when you meet together, it does more harm than good. First of all, when you meet together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. It's necessary that there are groups among you to make it clear who is genuine. But when you gather together in one place, it isn't to eat the Lord's meal. Each of you goes ahead and eats a private meal. One person goes hungry, while another is drunk. Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you look down on God's churches and humiliate those who have nothing? What can I say to you? Will I praise you? No, I do not praise you in this. I received a tradition from the Lord, which I also handed on to you. On the night on which he was handed over, the Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same thing with the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, do this to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you broadcast the death of the Lord until he comes. This is why those who eat the bread and drink the cup of the Lord inappropriately will be guilty of the Lord's body and blood. Each person should test himself or herself and eat from the bread and drink from the cup in that way. Those who eat and drink without correctly understanding the body are eating and drinking their own judgment. Because of this, Many of you are weak and sick, and quite a few have died. But if we have judged ourselves, we would not be judged. However, we are disciplined by the Lord when we are judged, so that we won't be judged and condemned along with the whole world. For these reasons, my brothers and sisters, when you get together and eat, Wait for each other. 
If some of you are hungry, they should eat at home so that eating together doesn't lead to judgment. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I remember my first inkling that I belonged to a country bigger than my backyard. Someone had given us a puzzle of the United States, 50 wooden pieces that connected into a portrait of the country. Sprawled on my stomach on the living room carpet, I pieced together the Dakotas and the Carolinas and slid Oklahoma into its niche next to the Texas Panhandle. This map of the U.S. fascinated me. Underneath each state were illustrations depicting the things the region was known for. Peaches for Georgia, cowboy boots for Texas. I had only experienced a sliver of California, but this map fired up my imagination. I would never have guessed that I would go on to live in Washington State and Pennsylvania and Minnesota. I would never have known that someday I would live in the state with a tiny drawing of the Empire State Building printed on it. But puzzles designed for small children only tell a part of the story. That map wouldn't serve me very well if I took it on the road today. I've had to update my maps and update my stories. Seth and Scott Avitt, brothers from North Carolina, know what it's like to update their understanding of what it means to be Americans. On their band's latest album, released last fall, Seth sings these poignant words. I grew up with reverence for the red, white, and blue, spoke of God and liberty, reciting the Pledge of Allegiance, learned love of country from my own family. Some shivered and prayed, approaching the beaches of Normandy. The flag waves high, and that's how it should be, so many lives given and taken in the name of freedom. But the story's complicated and hard to read, pages of the book obscured or torn out completely. I am a son of Uncle Sam, and I struggle to understand the good and evil, but I am doing the best I can in a place built on stolen land with stolen people. Spellbound, I have listened to this album and this song, We Americans on Repeat. The Avett brothers dearly love this land because of and in spite of we the people. And so they don't shy away from acknowledging the blood that stains tobacco fields along with the blood on the table with the coffee and the sugar. I understand why this 
song might not make for easy listening. In my own family, my brothers and I were taught not to criticize the past too harshly. My mother's voice handing down words from her own mother ring loudly in my ears. Never judge people outside of their own times or circumstances. Such an inclination to graciousness would be a welcome shift in our national conversations, for sure. But my grandmother, Dorothy, compassionate as she was, didn't hesitate to call out bad behavior. And as a devout and keen reader of the Bible, she was very familiar with how Paul passed judgment on the Corinthians. And not just for the obviously harmful behavior, but for the unchecked culture that gave rise to their actions. Imagine you were a Christian in Corinth, the city that never sleeps, the cultural hub of Greece. Every Sunday, you gather with other disciples to hear the good news of Jesus, the son of Israel's God, through whose blood you now belong to the Creator. Today is Sunday, a work day, and as soon as you've finished, you head over to the large home of a wealthier member who gladly hosts the church. Some churches have humble gatherings. Believers bring bread and wine to bless together and then share with absent members. But this is Corinth, where things are bigger and better. Your church hosts a feast. It's like the dinner parties that wealthy, educated people hold. But instead of debates or poetry, you sing psalms and hear the stories of Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. When you arrive at the house, it looks like worship is already underway. Some people are grumbling that the wealthier members started earlier to socialize with each other. They didn't have to work all day like some people. You understand, though, in Corinth, as in every place, people of the same social class stick together. It's expected that people with means will display their wealth. They'll even cater their own food, high-quality food. Your stomach growls, but of course, you can't just sit at anyone's table. How presumptuous. Still, you do agree that it is a little much for believers to be drunk at worship. They keep interrupting the host, after all, who is trying to read a letter from Paul that he sent by another traveling evangelist. Then those words ring out. Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you look down on God's churches and humiliate those who have nothing? The Corinthians should have known better. Pagan converts, though they were, they would have read aloud passages from Israel's scriptures 
like the one we heard from Exodus. They would have listened to the words of the Holy One, instructing the people about how to live right, how to live in good relationship with each other. They would have heard words like, when you act as a witness, don't stretch the truth to favor important people, but don't privilege unimportant people in their lawsuits either. Or when you see a donkey that belongs to someone who hates you and it's lying down under its load and you are inclined not to help set it free, you must help set it free. Or for six years, you should plant crops on your land and gather in its produce. But in the seventh year, you should leave it alone and undisturbed so that the poor among your people may eat. These commandments from the Torah are hardly common sense. They are wisdom from God that challenge conventional wisdom. After all, conventional wisdom says, avoid upsetting powerful and important people, because if you do, they could make your life miserable. Conventional wisdom asks, why bother helping someone who hates you, who in the same situation would probably kick you when you are down? Conventional wisdom is resigned to the way things are. For some people to eat, others have to go hungry. But God's wisdom is foolishness to human wisdom. It is Christ crucified. It is God choosing the weakest people in order to bless all nations. I can picture the Corinthians the sober ones at least, settling into an uncomfortable silence. Surely some of them feel defensive. Uh, this is just how we do things in Corinth. Don't we break bread in Jesus' name? Isn't that enough? But others have a sinking feeling in their full stomachs. This is not what Jesus would have wanted. Paul doesn't harp on God's judgment, God's loud and clear no to them because he's holier than thou or because he hates the Corinthians. Paul knows that he is saved by grace alone. And Paul loves this church that he helped to establish. Paul articulates God's no to the Corinthians so that they and we can truly grasp God's yes. Behind each heavenly no, there is a glorious yes spoken to you directly. God says no to injustice and hatred and neglect that causes hunger to fester because God wants you, yes, you, to live in a world where you have enough, enough bread, enough love, enough dignity. God cares for you 
Your life matters so much to God. Your life, Tim, and your life, Janie, and your life, Butch, and your life, Dave, your life, you, listening today or weeks later, your life matters to God. And not just your life, but your neighbor's life too. Even the neighbors that don't look like you. Even the neighbors who don't move in your social circles. Even the neighbors you don't particularly like. We know that, of course. Of course we know that God cares for every person. But like the Corinthians, we live in a culture, a culture that doesn't want to hear God's wisdom. Why else would saying black lives matter feel so controversial in 2020, even though it's a simple rephrasing of God's loving yes to the entire world? God's care for you and for me and for each person under the sun is why eating and drinking the Lord's meal means understanding or discerning the body. For Paul and for us, the body isn't just Jesus Christ's flesh and blood, but Christ's body here and now made up of hungry and hurting people. Hunger and hurt sit right beside us in the pews. They ravage the church the world over, the body of Christ with whom we share communion at the Lord's table. And we know hunger and hurt haunt our streets, ghosts of sins whose consequences we may wish to ignore. But Paul is right. God doesn't ignore them. God judges sin. God grieves for the wounded world. God says no. But Paul also wrote this to the Corinthians in another letter. All of God's promises have their yes in Jesus Christ. God cares for us, but not from a distance. God comes in person to speak words to Moses on the mountain and to break bread with the disciples in the upper room. God comes in person and claims us as God's very own, washing us in blood, the stuff of life, symbol of lives joined together in covenant. In Christ's blood, we are claimed by a God whose dream for the world is wider than the confines of conventional human wisdom. In this covenant, God's mercy defines us because, as Brian Stevenson says, we are more than the worst thing we've ever done. 
Maybe you've heard of Stevenson's work as a lawyer representing inmates on death row. The film, Just Mercy, based on his work and on the book that he wrote, was released to theaters last Christmas. Now, in the wake of our country's latest reckoning with the culture of racism in which we live, the movie is streaming for free to get people talking to each other, talking about why in this country our legal system does not treat brown and black folk as if their lives mattered. During the filming of Just Mercy, Stevenson invited a friend and fellow Christian, Shane Claiborne, to visit the set. In one scene, Shane saw a bitter white corrections officer throw a black prisoner against a wall. Later, he broke bread with both actors and their colleagues, and this is what he saw. As we ate, I saw an image of the world Brian is building. Prison guards and death row inmates talking and laughing over lunch. It was a world where if we have the courage, we can see past the costumes we wear and get to know each other as God's children. And we can recognize and celebrate the dignity of every person. Such is the world that God created from the very beginning. Such is the world that God is restoring even now. When we meet at God's table, and someday soon, I hope that we will meet at God's table. We will taste and see how good the world is when truth, justice, and compassion are served on a platter of grace. For such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, from whom all things come, through whom we live, to whom we belong, body and soul. Amen. <laughs>